Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of the Homer and the Hater Show. I am Jeff Hartman, the Homer. This guy, that's Lance Williams. He's the hater. What's going on, Lance? How are you this afternoon? Ah, uh, just another day. Just another day. Quarantining. Yeah, you don't say another day, another dollar anymore. It's like another day, another day stuck in my house. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I, this is, um, I mean, you know, my personality. I mean, it's... it's it's I understand it's difficult for most. Um not for me so much. So I just I, you know, I appreciate the time. Absolutely. Um, you know, try to use it wisely. Well, we hope that everyone out there that's listening, whether you're an audio or if you're watching live on YouTube, is being safe, being smart, being responsible. And don't forget like our videos people all the time on, on our live chats. And I've gotten emails saying, I, I can't, can't donate any money because I don't have a lot of money, whatever. Uh, how can I help the show? Like the shows comment. If you want uh, be an active participant in the live chat, tell your friends, share the show and ultimately subscribe. We are at 5,290. I think right now, Lance, we're, we're close <laughs> closing in. Um, we should have more. We'll put it that way. That, that, that was way. granular. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, so, well, like uh, just, just, sh just show us love. Yeah, you, don't have, you don't have to give us monetary. You don't have to give us nah. money, particularly in this time. Just show us love. And there's free ways to do it. Hit the like button, subscribe. And I've tried to encourage people, particularly on, on, yeah, I said it and the other shows that if there's, if there's say there's 200 people in the live chat, can we get 200 likes? Let's try to get one for one. Um, you know, we definitely don't want 200 people in and five likes. Well, I could mean that the yeah. show stinks, but <laughs> we think it, we think it doesn't. But anyway. well, and it's simple, really simple. If, if you're watching on your phone, a lot of people say, well, I don't want to lose the live chat. Just close out the live chat, like it, and then you can go right back to the live chat and it's done. Um, so it's real simple to do. And if you're audio listeners, we have more audio listeners, believe it or not, than we do on YouTube. Um, make sure you're following the show on whatever platform. I just found out the other day where our channel is on Pandora. So if you're a, a Pandora person, you can look up behind the steel curtain and you'll see all of our shows there on Pandora. You can listen to free Spotify, iTunes, you name it. Follow us. Well, last thing I want to say, Jeff, is also there's a website. Like the show oh, yeah. is actually tied to a website <laughs> behind the steel curtain.com of which Jeff is the editor. And yeah. I want to give a big shout out to Mark Holbrook, who is the uh, representing Idaho from the Steelers nation in Idaho. Big up. Yeah. yeah. I, I just did something. Um, Cause I saw, I saw Mark's comment. I was like, you know what? Let's see where everyone's watching from live right now. We only have 26 people. The show just started. Let's do a little ro roll call. See where people are watching from. We'll see how, uh, how far reaching this is. We got someone from Virginia, Culpepper, Virginia, been down there many a times. I'm so from, um, I'm from Planet West Love, Virginia. Tron. I'm from Planet Love, Tron. If you remember, if you remember that reference, uh, I'm no. sure there's some hoop fans on there that remember that Planet Love, Tron. Daryl Dawkins was a member of. Uh, he was from Planet Love, Tron. Here we go. We got West Virginia, Mass, Massachusetts, uh, San Pedro, California, Bartlett, Tennessee. We got someone up north in the Great White North in Canada, uh, California, Shafter, California, Georgia, Houston, Texas, New Orleans, uh, Wilmington, Delaware, Uniontown, PA, New Jersey, Monterey, North Mexico. Yes. Yeah. Northeast Monterey. Ohio. Ugh. Gyros from Northeast Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Young Boy 24 is from Steel City, PA. Love that. Oregon. Michael O'Malley is a longtime viewer and participant. So welcome to everyone. The the headline of this speaks for itself. And I'm curious. I'm, I'm actually really curious to see where Lance goes with this. And, and we talked via text about what we want to talk about today. And it was which young player is due for a breakout year in 2020. But before we answer this, we need to do some criteria here. We need to break this down. So Lance, what would be considered a young player in your opinion? I would say a player that's still on their rookie contract. Well, no. Okay. See, that, TJ, this, TJ, this is what we need to figure out. Okay. Okay. TJ Watt's still on his rookie contract. So I'll say you're in your first three seasons. Okay. So that eliminates TJ. Yes. All right. I mean, my gosh, he's had a he's had a breakout year every year of his career so far. All yeah, right, so much. first three seasons, that's your criteria. Now, second part is, what do you consider a breakout? I think where, you know, I always use the phrase, when the young guys become the guys. So it's essentially when you become one of the guys. When you become a player on your team that if your team loses you, uh, there's a significant impact to whatever side of the ball you play on. And I was hoping I wanted to take the defensive side of football and you take the offense because that's kind of how we do it during the season. So your loss is significant and your loss, it's hard to make up your loss. Okay. Um, I had a player in mind. He's actually on the defensive side of the ball, but that's okay. I want to see what you said. Are you ready? Do you have yours ready? Yeah, I do, but I want to hear. I want. I want you to go first on the offensive ah, side of the ball. I think mine. I think mine is pretty <laughs> obvious. But I wanted you to go first. I have an idea of where you're going to go, but I um, I, I, I want to hear. I, there's only one. There's only one player that pops off the screen. I guess if I'm writing these down or off the page, when it comes to having the potential to fit the criteria that we just talked about, and that's wide receiver Deontay Johnson. Um, he had flashes. I tell you what, when the guy has the ball in his, when he has the football in his hands, he's dynamic. Maybe as dynamic as we've seen in a long time in Pittsburgh, uh, making people miss his ability to to handle space. Now he did have some fumbles, we know that, but I think that this guy is going to take a big step forward in 2020. I don't know if he's going to be the guy. That's where I was kind of there was that line, that line of demarcation. I was like, I'm not sure if he's going to be the guy next year. He's going to be a very important part of the offense. And when you talk about when you lose him or if you lose him, what will it do? It would be a big loss. So that's where I'm going to go. Is there anyone else you could think of? Because really the offense is the the elder statesman on the team. Let me give you some stats, Jeff. Let me let me see what you think him becoming one of the guys. And and, and it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be he becomes the number one wide receiver. It just, you know, he becomes vital. In what they do. So let me give you his stats from 2019. Okay. And so if he makes that jump to become one of the guys, <clears throat> um, last year he had 59 receptions, which was tied for 48th in the National Football League, 680 yards receiving, which was 52nd, five touchdowns, which was tied for 42nd, and he averaged 11.5 yards per catch, which ranked 78th in the National Football League. What do you think his stats will look like if he takes that jump in 2020? Uh, what was it? He had six, six something yards, right? Is that what he said? He had uh, 59 catches, 680 yards, five TDs, and he averaged 11.5 yards per catch. Okay. I think that he would be around eight touchdowns. He would be 
closer to say 900 yards and I think his receptions would be around uh, 80. So he's just going to see the ball a lot more. And if Ben Roethlisberger comes back, I think that's all very realistic. That's the, that's the problem here is that if the Steelers offense looks the way I hope it looks, I don't think they're going to have that Antonio Brown type production from one player. Does that make sense? I don't think it's yes. going to be solely focused on one guy being the guy. I think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to have decent statistics this year. I think James Washington is going to be a key, key contributor. We haven't even talked about the tight ends. I mean, we've talked about them, but in terms of today's show, um, the tight ends with Ebron and McDonald, there's going to be a lot of weapons that they're going to be able to spread the ball around with. I think that's going to decrease the stats um, a little bit. So that's why I said you know, 900 yards. I think the touchdowns could go up. I think he could be a really good red zone threat for him. Um, you think I'm a little overzealous or underzealous with this? No, no, I want to give you some numbers, and I'm not going to say the player, but if he got these particular numbers, would this represent the step that you're talking about? How about 58 receptions on 80 targets for 917 yards, averaging 16 a catch with seven touchdowns? Would that represent the jump? you're talking about i think it, it would be a really good that, that would be a big jump in the right direction yeah you know who that is right that's juju's uh, that's juju's rookie i was season. gonna say that's what i was i was thinking juju because i knew he was close to a thousand that year um so yeah that would be a good be a good jump they're gonna yeah. feed off of each other though that's that's gonna be key like, juju's gonna have to do well for deontay to do well and vice versa and that just shows you how good juju was or is, or definitely was early. I mean, I would agree with you. If Deontay Johnson has Juju's numbers from Juju's rookie season, I would say he's established himself as a firm number two. And when you look at Juju's second year, those numbers are just bananas. 111 catches, 111 catches, 1,500 yards, 12.87 TDs. If he could do Juju's rookie season, he makes the jump because that's an additional 400 yards uh, of receiving yards and additional touchdowns with the same level of targets. Because that's what I was going to ask you, you know, of those particular stats for Deontay Johnson, for him to become one of the guys or take that next step of the receiving yards, touchdowns and average, which one of those is most important or most emblematic of him taking that step? I think to me, it's yardage. And then yards per reception, you know, okay. uh, those two are important for me because you could have a ton of receptions, but if you're doing nothing but bubble screens, it's not going to mean anything. If you're getting yards, meaning you're obviously adding to the success of the offense. And also you're doing it at a clip that is better than where it was. You said Juju's was 16, right? His rookie year. Yes. That's a, that's a good, that's a good average. Yes, it was fifteen point eight to be to to make to be specific, but f yeah, it was fifteen point eight, and that's the highest. That's his highest. Right. And his second year was the the year where he busted out. It was twelve point eight, and interestingly, last year it was thirteen point one because Juju's always good for a a, a long touchdown. I mean, he's had yes. two ninety seven yard touchdowns and one seventy six yard touchdown. I mean, when your career long is ninety seven and you've done it multiple times. <laughs> it shows that he, I mean, he, I mean, he can, he can hit it. He can hit the long range one. In fact, the funny thing I did yesterday, I mean, it, you don't have much to do during quarantine. I watched a YouTube video of the Steelers longest pass plays 
in the Ben Roethlisberger era. And okay. Juju showed up multiple times. Another player that showed up multiple times was Mike, Mike Wallace. Wallace. Yep. And that made me think, and we can talk about it, just about that need of having that home run hitter on offense because they've been hitting home runs every year that Ben Roethlisberger's played. I think they've had a passing play of above 65 yards. I mean, we can ask the Oracle Dave Schofield, yeah. but I think they've had one, a 65-plus for, what, 17 years, however long Ben has I mean, been around. The thing about Juju is that he's not a burner. and He's not Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace, as Mike Tomlin labeled him, was a one-trick pony. He ran a vertical route, and he was really fast, and it worked. Juju Smith-Schuster is not a burner, never has been, yet he always finds these ways to create the big play. I, just the other day, I think it was yesterday, on the Steelers' official Twitter account, they posted the, I think it was a 75-yarder, because I think it was the first play from their their, their opening possession against Carolina on Thursday night, if you remember uh, Cam Newton, and the offense went right down the field. They abused Vince Williams it, with uh, McCaffrey coming out of the backfield. They score a touchdown. They go up 7 nothing. First play from scrimmage for the Steelers, bomb to Juju. It was a, it was a double move. Bites on the the, the uh, cornerback bit on the pump fake. I mean, it was a huge play, but he didn't – he's never out – it's just so weird when you see Juju. He just doesn't look fast. He's not the fastest guy in the world, yet he seems to has a knack for those big plays. And they missed that last year because when he was hurt so much, you absolutely missed that. So we'll see. Let's go to the defensive side. I want to hear who you have pegged on the defensive side as the guy that's going to step up. I have someone in mind. I want to know if you maybe went somewhere different. I mean, I'm going to go with the obvious one. I think the obvious one is Devin Bush. Okay. I think they need the first round guy to become one of the best inside linebackers in football. Because I think with the loss or let's say the waving uh, of Mark Barron, he's going to play every down next year. And I think he's going to have to be in, in the type of physical shape to be able to do that. He's going to be their best sub package linebacker, unless in the next several weeks they sign an inside linebacker that could possibly do that in free agency and or draft one. So I, I think Devin Bush has to be that guy to take that next step and and be that dominant force on the inside. And I was taking a look at, at his stats from his rookie season. Um, he had 72 solo tackles, one sack, one forced fumble, and two interceptions. And I looked at that and who he's off compared to. And in Ryan Shazier's second season, he had 55 tackles, um, 32 assisted. He had three and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, and an interception that year. In terms of Devin Bush, the number that I want to see go up is probably sacks and forced fumbles. No, I'll take that back. I'll say sacks and interceptions. I wonder how they're going to utilize him next year to be that player to possibly blitz the quarterback more so the Steelers can still pull out Mark. So I'm looking at his stats. I, the, the tackles, tackles are, are are here and are there because you tackles don't. When you walk, look at tackle stats, you don't know where they got the tackles. I mean, you can tackle a guy 20 yards downfield, 
back interceptions go up. I want to see him making more plays that lead to turnovers. You know, when I, when I run through the starters in my head defensively, obviously Bush is the first player that comes to mind. There's not many that would be eligible for the criteria that we mentioned at the beginning of the show. Shockingly, both safeties, your starting safeties, would be able to fall into that category with yeah. Nick Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds. Uh, there was an article that published today on the website from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and it was basically all about how the Steelers, how are they going to use Terrell Edmonds in 2020 and how it could potentially impact their draft? Meaning, are they going to maybe move Edmonds into that Mark Barron role that you mentioned? Have him play down in the box more. That's where he ex- he's he excels there. He's better covered covering near the line of scrimmage. He is a good tackler from what I've gathered and what I can remember. And then you would have to draft someone that could play in the deep half alongside Minka Fitzpatrick. Whether you believe in that or not, it's just it just shows the onus on Terrell Edmonds, and he's going to have to improve. I guess my question for you is, and I know you probably don't have these numbers because you weren't prepared for this from me, what would a jump look like for Terrell Edmonds as a young guy that's having a breakout year? I think it would have to be interceptions. I think he has to get his hands on the ball, pass defense, and maybe interceptions. I think he has to be better in coverage. But, I mean, I think we're on it, Jeff, in terms of putting Edmonds in the box and possibly playing Hilton and or Cam Sutton as that other deep safety if they go to a nickel or a dime package. Um, I think I think we're the first to kind of tease that. And I think that could be a good way. But I would think that for Edmonds, it it would have to be better in his awareness. And I would have to show up, I think, in pass defense and or interceptions. I agree with you. Now, to Devin Bush's point, you talked about interceptions. If they're looking at the tape from 2019 on Devin Bush, they're going to try to exploit him with tight ends. Because as you pointed out multiple times this past season, he was vulnerable in that capacity, especially down the seam. He did have that interception uh, against the Ravens, which was targeted for Mark Andrews. It was a tremendous play. Uh, But other than that, I think the only other interception he had was a tip ball against San Diego. And that that was kind of a gimme. Like I said, it was just a a pop up. Um, If he's going to be improved in that area, then he can set a tone really early because I would imagine the offenses are going to say this guy struggles against the tight end struggles in the seam we're going to throw it there you know that's what the colts did repeatedly until minka fitzpatrick t- took one to the house <laughs> he jumped around in the red zone do you think that's uh, that's kind of where he needs to really improve to get more interceptions because that's what they're going to do in my opinion yeah i would agree i would think with both players it's, it's past defense and possibly interceptions. And I think the call of Terrell Edmonds, if anybody were to say Terrell Edmonds needs to be a young guy to become the guy, that would be a great call too. Because if you can combine him, if he could be a ball hawking as well and and his awareness improve with Minka Fitzpatrick, then from an athletic and a physical standpoint, they would have a tremendous, uh, their, their, their secondary would be upgraded tremendously because they'd have two dynamic safeties. And looking at Terrell Edmonds' numbers, he has one interception in two seasons. But even worse than that, he only has seven pass defense in 32 games. The biggest thing for to Terrell Edmonds right now is he stays healthy. He yeah. plays every snap. I mean, he plays a thousand mm-hmm. plus snaps. He's been he's played every single game the last two years. And he is a physical freak. And he and he is not bashful. He'll stick his nose in. He'll make tackles. 
it's just his awareness needs to pick up. But I think physically, because he can hold up and physically because he's so good physically um, that he has the potential to be that young guy to become the guy. Because of the two, I would say even Edmonds is probably better than my choice of Bush because I think Bush has shown the traits or, as they say, with uh, puppies, he's got big paws. I think he's shown his big paws and that um, he's going to be that next guy to make that transition. So I would say Edmonds is probably even a better choice in terms of a guy that needs to become the guy, needs to step up and take that next level and become, you know, and make that jump. I don't think he had the jump from one from the first year to the second year that they like, and hopefully it'll be from the second to the third. No, I, I agree hundred percent. And so, uh, you know, the, the Steelers as a whole are, are a pretty veteran team. Uh, not a lot of players on either side that would fall into the criteria necessary for this particular exercise, but they, they can get some contributions from some young players and potentially some rookies, which we'll talk about at the end of the month when the NFL draft rolls around, I'm sorry, end of April, it's still March. Um, and then we'll have a whole new crop to talk about and figure out what's going on with that. And hopefully they'll be able to add to, uh, the Steelers potentially being a force to be reckoned with in the AFC in 2020. Before we go any further, I just want to mention that this podcast is a part of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure you check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. Make sure if you're watching live on YouTube that you like this video. Subscribe to the channel. Set up your notifications so that you don't miss a show. If you're listening an audio platform, make sure you follow us. If you're on iTunes, leave us a good comment with a four-star rating. If you enjoy the content, it all helps with our visibility on all these different platforms. So we appreciate hey Jeff, that. Is that your sister in the live chat or do you have a sister? <laughs> That's my mother. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Hartman. Hey. hey, hi mom. Hi. <laughs> I almost always assume great. that's her. That's her name. I mean, she's <laughs> she's popped here before. I know. I think it was uh, on the Steelers preview one time. Everyone thought it was my wife, and I'm like, no, nah, my wife does not have time for that. But no, uh, no. Yeah. let let uh, that is mom. Hi Jeff. Hi Lance. Everybody, let's say hi to Mrs. Hartman. <laughs> hey Mrs. Hartman, how are you? You know the quarantine is real when moms yeah. pop in and she's... they listen to the show. Yes, awesome. Good. Doing lesson plans, probably getting ready for her online education. So there you go. Uh, I talked to my mom. She's doing the same. She's teaching class over Zoom and not enjoying it. Yeah, we start ours tomorrow. So uh, as of tomorrow, I'll be PE teacher extraordinaire via the World Wide Web. So that ought to be fun. Make sure you tell your dog not to interrupt the videos. There's no videos. <laughs> not yet, anyways. Not yet, anyways. Okay. Um, all right. Very good. You wanted to talk about something I thought would be a pretty good reprieve from the serious talk that we just finished up with the who's going to have a breakout season, and that is your top five Steeler favorites of all time. Um, this can be a wide obviously a very wide range when you talk about how many games you've seen compared to me, let's say you had to watch him play, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that, that'll quickly eliminates all the players from the seventies for me because I wasn't born until 1983. So with that said, give me one of your top five. It doesn't have to be in order. Let's just go through any of your five. I haven't uh, even written these down. I'm not even Joe ready. green. Joe green is one of my five. Okay. How many games? So what? What year were you born? I was born in seventy. Okay, so you you probably actually remember seeing yeah, him actually, play. Yeah, he, saw, he played yeah. into the eighties, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I saw Joe on TV on CBS. 
Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm at the age of, you know, we had uh, hangers as antennas on the TV to try to get clear reception. <laughs> Do you have aluminum foil? <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. See, Jeff's so young. You've always been born since there's been ESPN and cable TV. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're I right. remember when there was no ESPN. And actually, the funny thing about it now is ESPN's programming mirrors what the programming was in 79. Curling. Um, it, the oh, programming is so bad on ESPN right now, and it was terrible. Berman and those guys looked like they were in the living room doing Sports Center, and it was just bad. You saw some of the worst sports ever, and it was all, a lot of it was regional, and that's kind of what ESPN is right now. Pretty bad. Well, it is bad right now. I haven't even watched it. You know, I paid for ESPN Plus to watch live sports, and of course, there's no live sports going on right now. What the heck? Uh, but still, you know, I don't think ESPN really became ESPN until you had like the the Dan Patrick, Keith Oberman, Craig Kilborn, that's when it like skyrocketed. Like, that's That was when I was young, and that was when I would watch it over and over again. I remember in the summers, we got to go to my friend's house, and we would watch until we saw every single highlight in that hour because they just looped the show. But, okay, you said yeah, me and Joe. Yeah, before before you ahead. start, ladies first, uh, Mrs. Hartman is awesome. She fired up her five really fast. Jeff, do the honors. Was it four or is it five? I can't. She's not a math teacher. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> don't do mom. Like, <laughs> don't, don't do mom my, like mom, that. my mom says Lynn Swan, Terry Bradshaw, Mean Joe Green, and Frank O'Harris. And she says Stallworth. She puts Stallworth there as her fifth. There you go. That's, That's my mom. Let's see. Mom, mom got those out real quick. Bang, 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 bang. Why are you talk about your mom? She's not a math teacher. She's That's she's terrible. like me, man. Numbers, numbers don't jive <laughs> with my mother and myself. <laughs> so I head hurt. I'm more of the written word. I've told you this. Spoken and written word is where I uh absolutely up. My mom's a French teacher. And so if you start if people start like someone said bonjour, Pamela. Don't get her started. I'm saying that, all right? Don't get her started. She's fluent. Now, let's get to my list. You know, if you go, if you go mean Joe, who am I going number one? Ben Roethlisberger. Absolutely. Ben I thought you want to say Ben all five times. <laughs> Can I? Ben, 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 Ben. All right, so Ben Roethlisberger, yes, because he was the, I mean, you think about it. When I was born in 83, I really wasn't paying attention until the 90s. It was the Neil O'Donnell teams of the of the mid '90s when they got to Super Bowl. The first season I really remember was '94. That was the year that they went to the AFC Championship game against the Chargers and lost. That was heartbreaking, but that was like the first team I remember. So if you think about it, Ben Roethlisberger was the first real quarterback. You know, yes. yeah, yeah. he was the first real. You, you had Bradshaw for me. It was Ben. Ben's my guy. He's number one on my list. Who you got number two? I'm also put Bussy on the list. Bussy's okay. my guy. I got you there. I, I was going to put Bus, but I'll give you Bus. Uh, we'll try to keep our list different for the time being. I'm going to go with number two, Bleeder Knight Heinz Ward. Okay. Now, I, I just, there was something about that hit on Keith Rivers in Cincinnati. <laughs> he broke a dude's jaw. I was like, oh my gosh, this guy just shattered another man's jaw, and he's an offensive player. I from that moment on, I mean, trust me, I liked Heinz Ward well before that play, but my goodness, he was he was everything that Steeler fans wanted in an offensive player. And he, he stood and he stood over him as well after he broke his jaw. 
and Keith Rivers was from USC. And me being a Cal guy, <laughs> that was the icing on the cake. I'm going to tell you another Heinz Ward play that was awesome. First of all, it was awesome that a wide receiver get a rule, basically the Heinz Ward rule where you can't crack back on people. I mean, it's pretty awesome yeah. for an offensive player to get a rule that protects players. That's awesome. The other play was the play that Hines made in Atlanta when he ran out of his shoes for a yeah. touchdown. <laughs> that was, that a, was a great play. <laughs> that was that was a great play. Charlie Batch went to work in that game, too. Well, it, to me, it, it was his smile. He always got up smiling, and people – and I know that uh, Brian Anthony Davis always talks about how they, in, in Baltimore, because we live in Maryland, they always have like the most hated player – for the Ravens in Heinz Ward, even today still gets voted number one. Like people in Baltimore hate Heinz Ward because <laughs> he, he was the one that cheap shot at Ed Reed. He's the one that went <laughs> after Ray Lewis. He's he's, and he always had that smile. That's what people always say. They're like, Oh my gosh, I'd hate that smile. <laughs> yeah, He knocked Ed Reed out at least three or four times. He yeah, got he Ed a couple, couple times. I mean, he just knock Ed out all the time. And Ray got great. him. Ray got him one time. Ray got yes. him one time. <laughs> yeah, yes, he did. <laughs> so, all right, go ahead with your next one. Well, we agree on Hines. Another one of mine was, um, and I'm going to throw in another one because he was my honorable mention one that I talked about, was Greg Lloyd. I mean, Greg Lloyd is everything that you want in a Pittsburgh Steelers defender. Just a mean-ass SOB. That's Greg Lloyd. When your nickname is Avoid, that's the type of player I like. Greg Lloyd was angry. He, he, I can say this honestly. There's only one player that I can remember in my life that played the game as angry as Greg Lloyd, and that was James Harrison. And he, that you saw it on the field. I mean, I, I, I suppose Lambert was the same way back in the '70s. I would say that maybe Mean Joe was that way. You, you can answer that. I can't. Would you say it? yes? Yeah, no. Yeah, Mean Joe was me. He earned it. Yes, he did. He earned it. Yeah. Greg Lloyd deserves to be on that list. I'm going to go defense for the first time so far on my list, and it's number 43, Troy Polamalu. Yes, going to be there. a Hall of Famer, getting his gold jacket. And it, it, there's something special about watching generational talents be on your favorite football team. You know, guys that everyone says, that guy's good. You know, you talk about some of these players. Like, there's people that don't think Ben Roethlisberger's that great. There's people that thought that Heinz Ward was overrated, that he was a cheap shot artist. Not many people are going to say that they don't think Hein that Troy Polamalu was that great. He yeah. was amazing, yeah. and he yeah, was. I don't know, and I'll ask you this question as you want to talk about him a little bit. I don't know if anyone else is ever going to play the safety position like that. No, with his with his range, with his instincts. In his ability to play the line of scrimmage, his range, a, a, a young Earl Thomas had equivalent range, in my opinion, but you not so? instincts. So you're always been but an not, Earl but Thomas not, guy. but but not instincts, not not the same level of instincts. And okay. they gave him, they gave Troy the the ability to freelance um, on defense. So we definitely agree with Troy P. We definitely agree with Hines. Um, yeah, we we agree with those guys, but Troy. It is absolutely a generational talent. Troy is probably one of the best athletes. I think him and probably Rod Woodson. I would guess that Rod Woodson might be the best athlete to ever play for the Steelers. Um, but Troy ranks right up there. You know, the play against uh, the Chargers at home when he when he jumped over the line of scrimmage. I mean, the instincts, the timing, the athletic ability, 
the freedom to do all that. I mean, you just can't describe. I mean, Troy is a freak of nature. I mean, he's a snowflake. He's a one of one. You know, there's not going to be many guys like Troy Palomalo coming around and play football. If you haven't seen it, when Bill Cower and Troy Palomalu, they found out they were both going to be inducted in the same year, they did an interview with them sitting together. And you could hear Cower tell these stories about he's standing on the sidelines and he's watching Troy and he's thinking, what is Troy doing? He's not supposed to be, what, what, what is he doing? And he's yelling, Troy, Troy, get back there. And what, did, what would Troy do? He would kind of prowl around the line of scrimmage, but he would always be back where he was supposed to be by the time the ball was snapped. Or sometimes he would just <laughs> go like against in the AFC championship game, yeah. jumping over the line of scrimmage and keeping Flacco from getting that fourth down conversion. I mean, there's all these crazy moments we could talk. We could do a whole show on Troy. Here's the thing with crazy. Troy. All of that that you described comes from film study. And that's the thing I think is lost about Troy. Troy is an incredibly smart football player. You can't play instinctually like that unless your film study is second to none. And we've talked about on this show how the young guys, you know, young guys becoming the guys. We all forget Troy didn't play his rookie season. No. I mean, Troy did not play. So, you know, there's still room for these young players to grow and make these jumps and make these steps. And uh, Troy Palomalo is, is the classic player to probably look at because he went from a guy that played no snaps. People were ready to say he was a bust. And then he became Troy Palomalo. Who's next on your list? Because this is really tough to narrow down to five, by the way. <laughs> well, you know, I kind of like criminals on the field, you know, and, be, you know and, and being from the north side, being from Manchester, you know, our, our theory was, look, maybe the Steelers will lose the game, but we'll win the fight. I mean, that's kind of how I grew up watching the Steelers. That was pretty much said in my neighborhood. Well, he beat him up, though. I mean, it was like, OK, we're going to lose. But at least we won the fight. They knocked out like they knocked out five players, whatever. So what? We lost. They won't come in here thinking we punks. And with all that said, it's got to be James Harrison. I mean, I mean, come on. It's got to be Debo. I mean, I mean, hey, Debo was just the enforcer. And I think every defense needs an enforcer, a guy that can walk out the tunnel. Sort of like Joey Porter, roll up his shirt be that guy and have other teams be afraid teams did not what wide receiver wanted. Didn't wide receiver stop running shallow crosses towards James Harrison because he was killing them. Just ask Joshua Cribs. Exactly. He doesn't, he doesn't even, he didn't remember his name. I don't think after that hit the hit he put on Colt McCoy. Yeah. Um, in, in the Cleveland game, the I same was at, game. That was the same I was game. at that. Yes. I was at that game and I thought Colt McCoy was dead. I mean, we literally thought he was dead. It's just like you want that type of criminal on your defense. Hey, man, it's a physical game, and you've got to lay out physical punishment to teams to make teams wary and hesitant. Intimidation, fear, and making guys scared is part of playing effective football, and that's the Steeler way, and Debo embodied that. I, one of the one of the moments I'll never forget about James Harrison, he wasn't even a, a player at this point. And that was when he was just a special teams guy in Cleveland. Fan runs on the field. James Harrison grabs him, <laughs> suplexes him to the ground. <laughs> Bruno San Martino. <laughs> or another play, which happened in San Diego against the Chargers, where he had an interception. This was Joey Porter was still on the team, and he jumped over LaDainian Tomlinson. 
who yeah. was trying to dive at his knees. He jumps over him. You saw little things about James Harrison then, and then obviously after the the brawl before the game in Cleveland where Joey Porter was kicked out and James Harrison kind of never gave that job back. So James Harrison deserves – what about him leaving for New England? Does that deter you at all? Well – it could, and if any, and if it deters anybody in the live chat, and I know it rubs some people wrong, I, I understand. But uh, you know, once you're a stealer, you're always a stealer. And I, and he gets, I forgive Debo because he made one of the biggest plays in Steeler history. You know, possibly after the immaculate reception and the immaculate tackle. Um, you know, those are some of the that that interception against Arizona is one of the biggest plays in NFL history, Super Bowl history, and Steeler history. If he doesn't make that play, they don't have six championships. So I can forgive him wanting to play a couple of more years because guys got to get it out of their system. So they got to be convinced that they can't play anymore. And if you can go get that money, go get the money. So I don't begrudge him that uh, he's just a stealer guy. He always will be, in my opinion. Yeah, I would say that's, to me, in my opinion, we're obviously biased here because this is a fan show. That was the greatest play in Super Bowl history. Some might, argue that, them, definitely. some might argue the Tyree catch. Tyree catch was not for a touchdown. It was a huge play. Kept the drive going. That play was a seven, at least a seven-point swing in the other direction. And Super Bowl 43, which, by the way, if you're watching live, they're going to re-air that on uh, YouTube at 6.30. Start to finish. Whole game. Speaking of that, Jeff, how, how are they doing this? So as we're doing the show right now, in the background, you guys can't see. I'm playing the Indianapolis Colts versus the Steelers game when they won the fifth championship. AFC um, divisional round. The divisional round. And it the full game is on there. And this is not CBS. This is not NFL. I don't know how they do this on YouTube. This isn't like highlights. This is a two-hour yeah. game, and I'm watching every every play as if it came on last week. And it's a great game, by the way. That defense was killing Peyton Manning. I mean, oh my You're going to want to throw something at the at the television, not when the fumble happens, but when they overturn Troy's interception. That was it. If you think yes. back to that game, if that interception doesn't get overturned, it's a blowout. It's a blowout. It doesn't matter. But when they overturn that interception, that was we all said it when we were watching live. The, the fix is in, man. They, they're they're trying <laughs> to get Peyton Manning into this Super Bowl. Like you could just tell. They're trying so All no right. that that's one of the few times where I was not the hater. I was absolutely for sure that they were going to win that game. The way that game was going, I was like, "Oh wait, they're they're not going to lose. They can't block anybody." I said, "It does not matter. They will continue to get heat. They are going to win this game." They came out and watching this game again. They came out on fire. They they could not be blocked. They were on an absolute mission. And they went to work. I mean, they went to work on the Colts. It was beautiful. Well, it was offensive, too, because if you remember, they were such a running team that year, and they came out throwing. And Ben hey, hit hey. Randall L. He hit Heath down the seam a couple times. The first touchdown was to Randall L., maybe? Or it might have been to Heath. Yeah, I, I don't think know. it was. It was Randall and, L., I think, uh, in the seam. Or it might have been Hines. Either words, yeah, one of those. Yeah, you could tell that the Colts weren't ready for an aerial attack. And then defensively, like you said, they just couldn't be stopped. And that's when Peyton Manning was quoted after the game by saying, we had some protection issues. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. I would say so. so. Okay, let's get back to the list. I'm going to go with mine. The player that I, another player on my list uh, that you haven't mentioned yet, 
that we just kind of mentioned in our last little segment there is Heath Miller. When I think about my favorite players, I think about players that embody being a stealer and what I feel being a stealer is. And I think it's a guy that shows up every day, works his tail off, and always has the team at the forefront of his mind. So for me, a guy like Antonio Brown, as great as he was, I never really felt that he was that kind of guy. He so I was, was going to say not Mr. Uh, third and Fifth. Well, not the guy that puts his <laughs> autograph on a Rolls Royce and drives yes. it to, uh, you know, to camp. Which you credit to you, you called that years before it happened. Yes, I um, did. <laughs> I was like Heath Miller, I, but go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I mean, that was funny. Okay. I, I could just remember when he autographed it. I think the first thing I said <laughs> is that, that guy's a me guy. Just, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to put these on the screen. It's all you got to do. So, Mike Wamali. What does he say? He, Cairo, he. When you were, if you ever get to see a game or got to see a game live at Heinz Field when Heath Miller made a reception and you heard just the collective, he, it was, it was awesome. I love Heath Miller. He's he kind of made that jump too, though, because I know Heath came in with, with a hernia injury, correct? I thought it was, well, I thought it was a foot or ankle and he didn't have a great rookie season. They won a Super Bowl that year, obviously, but, um, I think it was the second year that he really started to play well. Yeah, and that's what it's about, and, and that's what the show is about. It's about the jump that young players make, and it's the jump that you need them to make because you need to make high high draft assets need to make that jump while they're cheap because you can't keep all these guys. And so, you know, you have to, these guys have to develop, and they have to develop fast. And I think you probably know the quote better than me. Because I forget all the Tomlin is. What's the quote that Tomlin always says about the train? The NFL is. It's a fast moving train. You got to get on while it's still moving. Yeah. And they've got to get on. They've got to get better. And it's going to be interesting to see if the issue with COVID-19 has an impact on young young players development. Because I can't foresee that there's going to be many camps or any of that type stuff. I can't imagine that players and teams are, are going to get together until training camp and maybe not even then. So I'm wondering how guys are going to get better um, with COVID-19. And that might be a topic for us to, to hash out on another show. Cause that, 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 that's, this is a brave new world. It's going to be interesting to see how teams deal with it and teams that, uh, do well next year are probably going to be teams that have dealt with it the best. And I would suspect that the Steelers will be one of those because, you know, they've got a good staff in place and a good yeah. head coach. So round out your five, who's your fifth? So I think you hit all mine. Cause my, my five were, were green, bussy, Troy P Heinz Ward, Debo and Greg Lloyd. So Greg Lloyd was my honorable mention, my six. So I had, uh, I like, you know, criminal elements, on my team. So I had a couple of those. I'm surprised I put an offense, two offensive players, but I put two offensive players on my list because they played like defensive players on offense. Yeah. So you can clearly see me. I'm always slanted towards the defensive side of football. I like seeing guys knock people out. I mean, I could have put on Rod Woodson or uh, a Donnie shell or a Mel blunt. If I had to take anybody off, I would take Bussy off and put Woodson on. I mean, I just remember the game. The best game I've seen a defender have, I think, for the Steelers, one of the best was Rod Woodson's Monday night football performance against Buffalo. 
I mean, I've never seen a defensive guy dominate a football game like that. And he was absolutely awesome. And my, my best memory of Woodson is him in the Super Bowl jumping up, pointing to his knee when he defended uh, Michael Irvin. That was great. And he pointed to his knee because I think that might have been the first time that a person had an ACL and came back in the same season. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And Cowher kept a spot on the roster for him the whole year. He would have been on my fifth. Rod Woodson was the first player as a young as a young kid that yeah, you watch and just were like, wow. You know, yeah. like, wow. He he really just do that. I remember as a, as a punt returner. I mean, he was amazing. Like that's what you said. He's Troy might have been the best athlete, second only to Rod Woodson yeah. when it comes to just pure athleticism. And so, absolutely, I think that my goodness, he was he was amazing. He was a, he was a wow man. You watch him play, just man, that's incredible. So did he did he run hurdles at Purdue? Yes, he's okay. a sprinter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The wings were good at Woodson's too. In Station Square, See, people, I think you've dissed on that restaurant before. I liked it, man. I, no, the I wing, thought the wings were solid, they, they were solid. The wings were solid. I just remember the atmosphere was cool. They had the AstroTurf on the ground, all his memorabilia was hanging up everywhere. I thought it was a really cool place. I enjoyed going there. Yeah, I know I'm but, dating myself. I, I, I watched the first <laughs> uh Riddick Bow fight versus Evander Holyfield there. Me and my cousin Terry probably had about 50 wings. We would get about two pitchers of brew, one apiece. There you it go. was an interesting evening. Evander, the real deal, Holyfield. Now, let me ask you this. Who's your top five players on the team currently? Uh, that I like? Yes, obviously that you like. If we know the list of players you hate is long and illustrious. I'm talking about the players that you enjoy ben, watching. Ben, 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 um, it actually, it's kind of different, man. I, like, honestly, having done the podcast for so long, it's almost as if, you know, when you work in a fast food spot and you don't eat the food anymore, you, you know, you've just been working there for so long. But if for, since I'm forced to give you a five, give me three, I'm go, give me three. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna go with Cam Hayward. Knew it. Um, I'm going to go with TJ Watt. Knew it. And I'm going to go with Minka Fitzpatrick. Knew that too. There you go. Let me I you knew two. you weren't going to go with anyone on offense. <laughs> exactly. Let me give you two more. Uh, I'm going to go with Steve Nelson because I thought Nelson played really good football. And I'm going to give you one was the grave digger, but he's no longer a stealer. Uh, let me see the fifth. The fifth, I will go with uh, Hayden. Man. Okay. I would go Ben still really <laughs> uh ben i'll go i'll go juju um i'll go minka tj and you know who else i'll go with because when this guy gets nasty i'll watch him play every single day that's david de castro oh, okay. i i love watching david de castro and it was to me it was epitomized when he had those battles with vontez perfect where he would pull and he knew that vontez was going to be waiting and they just had those violent collisions. That was tremendous. But Juju gets it because of the hit on Perfect alone, let alone the fact that he's a fan favorite and he's True. beloved in the city. Uh, but I, I honestly, I I understand what you're saying about when you work there for so long, you don't eat. It changes your mentality and your fanhood. You still want the team to win. You still want them to do well. I got to be honest, though. This team is fun to watch for me, though. It's still enjoyable to watch them play. 
Um, James Conner, up until he gets hurt, I enjoy watching him play. He runs hard. Like I enjoy watching the story's great, but he loves he loves the game. You can tell. Um, Deontay Johnson, I love watching him play because he's electric. When you get the ball in his hands, you just never know what's going to happen. So, yeah, they don't have too many turds on the team. I mean, not I anymore. Mean, not I anymore. Mean, I mean, not anymore. I mean, even the one guy that's we thought could possibly be a turd, I think, will be a changed person next year. You know who I'm talking about your guy, yeah, bud. Bud, no, your your guy, my guy. <laughs> yeah, Mister uh, Passive Aggressive, throw you under the bus in interviews. Oh, Ben. Yeah, that yeah, guy. I think. I mean, even that guy, I think, is going to be changed because he's given up his radio show. Yeah. Yes, Ezra. Yeah. I was laughing at that. That's exactly <laughs> what I was laughing at. That. And you know what? You know, people were killing me because I, I'm kind of turning. Because I did a yeah, I said it on Friday that I thought the biggest issue on the Steelers was the quarter depth at the quarterback position. And I'm even starting to, you know, change my opinion a little bit on the Derek Watts signing. I mean, I kind of get it. Here we go. Here we go. I think the price is a little high. I think the price is a little high. I'm not enamored. But, you know, even with that, I mean, the quarterback position is, I don't like the quarterback room at all after Ben. And even with Ben coming off of a season-ending surgery, Oh man, if they have to play Mason Rudolph eight games, four games, I just uh I just, gonna, I just think Ben's gonna light it up this year. He better because there is no option behind him. If if you know, I might as well just get Brian Anthony Davis to play backup quarterback if uh, Ben goes out. He's got the pants, he's ready to go. Just give him a jersey, he's good. <laughs> <laughs> he bought pants. <laughs> not even hit not even a game worn pants. He bought another guy's pants, but still. Ben's going to Ben hey, just like always, they're going to live or die by him. And so he's going to come out slinging the rock. We'll see what that looks like. Hopefully Kathy it looks said, good. I'm getting soft. I am getting soft, Kathy. It's the he's quarantining in. and I have to get outside soon and get some air, but it's the quarantine. I've been quarantined for weeks, so I am getting soft, but I had a little edge, a little bite on Friday. You know, I was ripping yeah. Kevin Colbert. I think it's absolutely irresponsible that the quarterback room looked like it does. Uh, because if Ben gets hurt, seasons are wrapping. You can't, you just can't lose seasons with a guy that old. I mean, Ben has two years left. They got to maximize it. So, the way you maximize that is having a better quality backup quarterback. So, if he can come back, if he gets hurt, your season isn't dead. You can't lose seasons for one injury anymore. Not when he's this old and he's this long in the tooth in his career. We shall see. We shall see. It's been a good show, though. Anything to add before we? Call it quits? No, I don't, man. Just stay safe, everybody. Do what you're supposed to keep doing. And, and and like I said on Friday, let's make sure the nation keeps the nation safe, being the nation, the country, as well as Steeler Nation keeping the nation safe. So let's keep everybody safe, man. Do what you're supposed to do. Social distance. Wash your hands. And uh, this too shall pass. So make sure you do your steps. And it will pass more quickly if you do the steps that you're supposed to do. So be responsible for yourself and for everybody else. And let's make sure the nation keeps the nation safe. Amen. And so make sure you check out Behind the Steel Curtain to for all your Pittsburgh Steelers need. BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure you like the show. My goodness, we had like over 50-some people. We should have over 50-some likes when we get off here. Lance, why don't you send us out? And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Amen. Be safe, everyone. Stay strong. We'll see you next Sunday for another episode of The Homer and the Hater Show.